welcome to the second Monday of May, a fact that will likely fade from our minds the further we get away from its actual happening. Let the record show this was in fact May 9th, 2022, which considered by some to be National Lost Sock Memorial Day. That's an appropriate sentiment for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement, which seeks to catch up on as many loose threads as possible. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs. On today's program, Charlottesville City Council is briefed on efforts to implement the Marcus Alert system across Virginia. Supervisor Donna Price will only serve one term on the Albemarle Board of Supervisors, and Albemarle County's Historic Preservation Committee weighs in on the comprehensive plan review. In today's first subscriber-supported shout-out, the Jefferson Madison Regional Library will once again provide the place for you to learn about a whole manner of things. The How-To Festival returns once more to the Central Library in downtown Charlottesville on Saturday, May 14th, from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. There is something for everyone in this fast-paced, interactive, and free event. There will be 15-minute presentations and demonstrations on a diverse set of topics, Want to know how to do a home DNA test? Tune a guitar? What about using essential oils to repel mosquitoes? Visit the library website at jmrl.org to learn more. The schedule is coming soon. That's the How To Festival coming up this Saturday, May 14, 2022. Now that she has announced her candidacy for the 55th district in the House of Delegates, Albemarle Supervisor Donna Price has announced she will not seek a second term representing the Scottsville Magisterial District. She made a Facebook post on Saturday in which she sought to recruit a replacement. She said she would dedicate her service to the county through the end of her term, whether that be the natural end in January of 2024 or in January 23, if she is elected to the House of Delegates in an election that might happen this year. Price's option to not continue has continued a string of one-term members in the Scottsville District. Price succeeded Rick Randolph, who served one term from 2016 to 2019. Randolph succeeded Jane Dittmar, who was elected in November of 2013 and did not seek another term in order to run for the 5th District in the U.S. Congress. Before Dittmar, William P.T. Craddock had been appointed to the seat to fill a vacancy left when Chris Dumbler resigned after pleading guilty to a misdemeanor charge of sexual battery. Dumbler was elected in 2011 after Lindsay Dorier opted to not run for a fifth term representing the Scottsville District. Price faces emergency room nurse Kellen Squire for the Democratic nomination for the 55th District. Incumbent Rob Bell has not indicated his plans. Squire officially launched his campaign with a video on Friday. Albemarle County is in the first phase of a four-phase review of the comprehensive plan, and there are three opportunities to learn what's happening this week. The first phase of the plan is intended to look at the county's growth management policy. The Let's Tack Albemarle van will visit the Forest Lakes Farmer's Market on Tuesday at 4 p.m. and will be at the Batesville Day Festival on Saturday from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. There's also a virtual office hour on Thursday at noon to get more information from you. The Albemarle Historic Preservation Committee was consulted on the comprehensive plan at their meeting on April 25, 2022. 
Specifically, they were asked two questions by Margaret Malashevsky, one of Albemarle's planning managers. What opportunities exist for achieving our historic preservation goals, objectives, and strategies? And are there new or current or ongoing threats to the county's historic resources? Committee member Ross Stevens said he wanted the committee to play a larger role in the county's land use process, particularly as it relates to demolitions of structures that may be historic but are not protected. He specifically singled out a manor house called Dunlora that will be removed as part of a by-right development near Belvedere. I think we should be called upon for our advice and consulting um, of these structures and be part of the mix. You know, instead of just documenting stuff afterwards, I think we should be brought in to give our advice, just like the Planning Commission does for the Board of Supervisors. Um, I think we should be that resource to provide data and information regarding these properties. Another member, Liz Russell, agreed and said the committee currently has little venue to make their views known. And even if only on things like rezonings and special use permits and things that go up against, go up uh, to planning commission and board. Russell is also a member of the Charlottesville Planning Commission. Betsy Gondes Baton said she would like the county to pass a historic preservation ordinance to protect certain structures. It would also provide opportunity and that we would be able to qualify for certain funds try getting surveys and nominations and this sort of thing. Russell said an ordinance would take more support from the county's elected administrative leadership. So how do we educate not only the public, but also our own um, our own leadership about the benefits of an ordinance, um, not just for protecting historic resources, but what other what other benefits? How do we make those links between the benefits of historic preservation and economic development, the benefits of historic preservation and sustainability? And I think now is the time really in our talk around the comprehensive plan rewrite to start connecting those dots. Russell said preserving naturally occurring affordable housing stock is also a role that historic preservation can play. Older housing stock, more modest, um, you know, turn of the century 1920s, 30s, 40s, these houses are out there serving a role in our community um, in terms of affordable housing. Supervisor B. Lepisto-Kirtley threw cold water on the idea of historic preservation playing a stronger role in Albemarle at this time. I sometimes, uh, unfortunately, have to be... I'll call it a reality check. Uh, regarding that, I know uh, Betsy keeps bringing up the ordinance. That's something where I'd have to see. You all would have to develop. Uh, we'd have to see what that is, what it means, what it entails. Okay, so I, I at this point, I, I have no idea what what kind of ordinance we want. Lepisto acknowledged many people have passion for historic preservation, but she did not think it was the county's role to make sure it happens. She also said it was unlikely more staff time would be dedicated to the topic. I'm not going to lie. We're, we're up to our neck in all kinds of different things, as the people who are on, this, on, the, um, on the staff know. We're doing a lot of things at the county level. Uh, we're just really, there, there's a lot going on. Lepisto Kirtley suggested a private foundation be set up to raise funds for historic preservation efforts. She said many homestays are being set up in larger historic buildings and their outbuildings. 
Russell said she was disappointed by Supervisor Lepisto Kirtley's response. That is one of the most discouraging things, I think, anyone on this committee could hear from a supervisor who is appointed to this committee to advocate for us. Historic preservation is a chapter in the county's comprehensive plan because ostensibly the county values it just as it values economic development, environment. Lepisto Kirtley said she was simply being realistic. This is an important committee. This is not the top priority because of everything that's going on. For the rest of the meeting, the committee members discussed ways to advance an ordinance, beginning with research into what other communities have done. If you were to attend any of the three comprehensive plan meetings this week, what would be on your mind? There's a link to the April 25th, 2022 Albemarle County Historic Preservation Committee meeting in a link in the newsletter. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and today's second subscriber-supported public service announcement goes out to Camp Albemarle, which has for 60 years been a wholesome, rural, rustic, and restful site for youth activities, church groups, civic events, and occasional private programs. Located on 14 acres on the banks of the Mormons River near Free Union, Camp Albemarle continues as a legacy of being a civilian conservation corps project that sought to promote the importance of rural activities. Camp Albemarle seeks support for a plan to winterize the Hamner Lodge, a structure built in 1941 by the CCC and used by every fourth and fifth grade student in Charlottesville and Albemarle for the study of ecology for over 20 years. If this campaign is successful, Camp Albemarle could operate year-round. Consider your support by visiting campalbemarleva.org slash donate. At least 1 in 10 American adults will suffer a depressive illness every year, according to information from the National Institute of Mental Health. That information was cited at City Council's work session on May 2, 2022. Officials with the Emergency Communications Center for Charlottesville, Albemarle County, and the University of Virginia briefed Charlottesville City Council on efforts to ensure that people experiencing mental health crises are not met with deadly force by public safety officers. Josh Powell is the support services manager for the ECC. Uh, we do receive around a quarter of a million calls per year here in the Charlottesville via Albemarle Emergency Communications Center. Powell said at least 90% of the 911 calls are answered within 15 seconds. That's an industry standard. He said at least some of those calls are misdials or hang-ups. If you do happen to misdial 911, please do not hang up. Um, it is important that you are able to make contact with the communications officer and let them know that there is no emergency because otherwise they're going to keep trying to reach you to confirm that there's not an emergency. A new emergency number will soon go into operation. Powell explains what the 988 service will do. This is going to be a system um, that responds specifically for mental health crises. Um, similar to 911, you're going to be able to reach it by call or text. 
Also coming in the future is something called the Marcus Alert, as explained by Sonny Saxton, the director of the ECC. The goal of Marcus Alert, if we were to place a, a singular goal on it, would be to provide a behavioral health response to um, behavioral health emergencies. Essentially, Marcus Alert creates that coordination between the 911 and the regional crisis centers, as well as specialized behavioral health response um, from law enforcement. Saxton said there are multiple initiatives to address multiple structural issues, including a shortage of psychiatric beds across all of Virginia. The time is long past for us to deal with these behavioral health emergencies um, effectively and to understand that it can happen to any of us. The Marcus Alert system is intended to identify behavioral health issues, whether the call comes in from a crisis line, 911, the future 988, and the rest of what's referred to as the crisis care continuum. Uh, when it comes to 988 um, being the new short code, if you will, uh, to emergency services um, for mental health crises, as really it's that no wrong door approach. In other words, you can you can call any of us. You can call 911. You can call 988. You can call the uh, the suicide hotline. And the idea is is that you would have a complete continuum of care no matter where you access it. Saxton said nearly 80% of calls can be resolved over the phone, but the remaining would require mobile crisis teams consisting of local law enforcement, emergency medics, and social workers trained in emergency responses. When you put that, that group together and deploy those into the community, um, really that can help perhaps begin that emergency care treatment at the person's side and then work on getting them to a crisis stabilization unit and to a hospital. Marcus Alert programs are in different stages of implementation across Virginia. There are two pilot rounds going on at the moment, but the Charlottesville area is not located within either of these. Saxton said it might be some time before the entire state is covered. Region 10 is serving as a crisis hub, but that's not yet connected to the ECC's operations. Legislation passed in 2020 to establish the Marcus Alert system across Virginia, but new legislation that passed in 2022 carves out exceptions for some communities. Saxton said it also took many years for the technology to make 911 ubiquitous, and the same can be said for implementation of behavioral calls to be as universal. Saxton said protocols are still in development and there will be more updates in the future. A sizable group of people in Charlottesville would like to see the Charlottesville Police Department abolished. Mayor Lloyd Snook asked this question, perhaps on their behalf. I know that a lot of folks in the community want very much for there to be uh, as many opportunities as possible for there to be a non-police response to a mental health crisis. Is there anything that can be done uh, before we would get to the full implementation of the Marcus Alert system? Any sort of first steps that we can be taking? Saxton said some steps have already been taken. For one, if you do call 911 today within the Charlottesville, Albemarle, UVA region, um, the call is answered by a communications officer that has received additional training. They'll, they'll answer the phone using guidance from the National Academy protocol. 
So a new standard, they will do so quickly, get you on the line with, um, with somebody that can stay on the line until law enforcement gets there. They're also trained in um, how they're going to dispatch the law enforcement. So they're very careful about what information they give over the phone, or sorry, over the radio to set the correct tone. So that is all training that's underway and that's already happened. Saxton said an alternative is to call the non-emergency line and state that there is a mental health care plan in place. And that's essentially what the Marcus Alert Voluntary Database says. If you report to us or to Region 10 that you have a mental health care plan, we can notify law enforcement. The non-emergency line is 434-977-9041. And that's it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement for May 9th, 2022. This is now the fifth one in a row produced under the new equipment in the new mobile studio. I can go anywhere and produce these things, and perhaps I will. Do you even know where I am now? Perhaps I'll never come back to Charlottesville. Although that's doubtful. My cats would have something to say about that. Most likely, meow. This is, of course, a program that is a production of Town Crier Productions. And, of course, uh, you can support that by paying for a subscription through Substack, which, of course, the company Ting will match with a... Uh, they'll match that initial payment, which is really good because it gives me an extra bit of revenue as I continue figuring out how I can continue to keep doing this so I can be here while the Marcus Alert system and other things are implemented. The whole point of journalism such as this is to keep track of things as they're going on. You pay me to pay attention so I can tell all of you what's happening and then you guys figure out what to do you know, yourselves. That is the service of this kind of journalism, and I really do appreciate those who are supporting it. Please share it with others if you have not, and tell others to listen to the podcast, because that's where you get to hear people's voices. And you get to hear me say silly things sometimes, such as, uh, I'm not going to do it. Somebody wanted me to say something that's silly, and I just refuse. Ugh, I am the most serious person in the world. I'm Sean Tubbs, the host of this program. I'll be back in the near future with another installment. Thank you very much for listening and stay safe. Goodbye. <laughs>